Like I said, this is uh, this has been a great week for me. It's always good to, to get to see my family, and um, it just kind of never worked out where they've been here long enough to, um, yeah, to, to make this happen. But I, I've been very very blessed this week, and so you know, growing up, um, very very fortunate and blessed to grow up with with Christian parents who love the Lord and, and loved me and my sisters. And there's one sister who couldn't make it today, so we miss her. But um, you know, we grew up singing some of these old. Uh, old hymns and some of what we're going to be talking about today uh, is just the clarity that John gives us in the book of First John. Some of the things that he writes uh, that makes it very, very clear uh, that we are distinctive from the world. We have a different call. There's a different um, anointing on the life of a Christian as, as brothers and sisters, and we have a duty to this world uh, to bring it the gospel of Jesus and to, to be willing to, uh, as we're going to talk about later, even be hated by the world. And there will be things that we do in love that will cause some people to, to hate us, to despise us. But the, the reminder and the constant through it all is Jesus. And so we're going to sing just a beautiful old hymn that we kind of grew up singing, just what a friend that we have in Jesus. And so I'd invite you to, to sing along with us. I would invite you just, you can just remain seated. And I'll just maybe even close your eyes, put your hands out, um, and just be able to be willing to worship God through this song as we, as we sing. So let's sing what a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus knows our every weakness. 
We are halfway through the summer. Uh, we're middle of July. We're halfway through 1 John. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and grab them. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3. If you forgot your Bible, don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, we'd love for you to take it home with you and, and read it for yourself. And um, it's our gift to you today. Um, and, and so we're um, seeking to, to understand uh, what's happening in the, in the life of the church when John was writing. This is Jesus' best friend, the beloved disciple, who is writing to his church family, and he's speaking in such a way that I feel like I, I want to speak this to our church family as well. And so part of what we're doing is we're also we're memorizing 1 John chapter 1, uh, just kind of taking that, just one chapter, we want to hide that in our heart, right, and make it real. And I'll be honest, um, I have not memorized the whole thing yet. I'm still working on it. Um, I just got back from vacation. I was like, oh my goodness, tomorrow I'm preaching. I better like figure out what I'm supposed to be doing here. I wrote this message like three weeks ago. I better figure this out. And, and so what I did was I started right back in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. And I just, I just read everything that we've covered so far in, in these first six weeks just because we're, we're chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and I just, I need to pull back a little bit. Be reminded about what we've been talking about and these, these hard truths that, that John has been just seeking to, to penetrate our hearts and then to seek to, to make it applicable to our everyday, ordinary life. And so as I was reflecting on this, I, I realized, you know what, John, man, he is blunt. He doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't, you know, play patty cake or, or you know, he's like, this is the way it is. And I want to make it crystal clear to you, because he, he loves his pastor. He's like, here's, here's what you need to hear, and what's happening in, a, in our church, and, and here's what's happening in our culture all around us. And I'm like, this is the same thing that's happening today in, in our church. And I mean, it's just amazing how God's word continues to be true 2,000 years later, and how applicable it is to our lives and as I was reading through again, you know, these, these verse, chapters and verses we've already covered, I'm like, man, there are times I'm like, John, is, he's just brutally honest, which, which I love. Because in our culture today, we're just, everything just seems to be on a spectrum, right? Shades of gray. There, there are no absolutes. Everything is subjective. Hey, your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth, right? And I'm like, where's that in the Bible? And John, I mean, I think he's, he knows, it's almost like he knows, God knows that this is something that we need here today in, in, 20, in the 21st century. And so as you start reading First John, maybe for you, you've been like, this is kind of a shock to my system. 
But the reality is, is as you read the, the Bible, the, the whole Bible is really a, a shock to our system because God tells us of, of absolutes. Like what's in the Bible, whether you believe it or not today, the, the claim of Scripture is absolute truth. And that's what we believe and that's what we teach here at Charter Oak Church. So in, in, a, in a shades of gray culture, there exists a black and white faith. And so as you're going to see today, Every one of us are, are, are given opportunities to make a decision about what we're going to be influenced by. Are we going to be influenced by this shades of gray culture? Or are we going to be more influenced by a black and white biblical faith? Every one of us has to make this decision. It's not a one-time decision. It's an ongoing decision every day of our lives. In fact, here's, here's how Pastor John, he, he, he preached for me while I was on vacation. Uh, Pastor John's our, our campus pastor of a crossroads. Man, that guy has got more energy and passion. I, I love his heart for the word and, and for our church. And um, I just appreciated um, him stepping in last week for me. And so here, here's the verse he finished up with last week. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Right? It's like black and white, absolutes. Children of God, children of the devil, right? Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Like John's like, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to play games with you. Like, you need to hear this. Life is too short to play these games. And, and so today, we're, we're, we want to continue to, to build off of that. Because remember, when he originally wrote this, there were no chapters, there were no verses. It was just all one book. And so this building and building and building. And so today, we're actually we're going to talk about love. Now, I get it. We're, we're a lot closer to, to Labor Day than we are to Valentine's Day. But today, this story is really a love story. But here's the thing. Our world really doesn't know what true love is, what biblical love is. And who's going to show them? We are. And that's, the, that's really what we're going to talk about today. So you got your Bibles, 1 John chapter 3. And we have a short section uh, today, verses 11 through 18. And if you're writing in your Bible, as we've been, I've been inviting you throughout this series, if we're going to read, about, read the word love quite a bit today. And so if you want to take your pen and circle it every time that I read it as we go through it, um, you can do that or as we go back um, and break it down. So here's what John writes to his church. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So let's, let's break this down. Look at verse 11. You know, just start right from the beginning. Right? For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And I would argue it's becoming progressively more difficult to be a Christian in today's culture. But, we're, but, but that's what we're supposed to, to do. And, and I think we should be glad. 
Right? There, there should absolutely be a distinctive difference between the way that you and I as followers of Jesus are living and the rest of this world is living. And I think John has done such a great job of, of describing that over the last six weeks in, in 1 John. And so this, this lifestyle that we're being called to live is really a lifestyle of love. But be very careful. This love that we're talking about today is, is not the love that the world is, is trying to define it. It's, it's the way that, that God defines love for disciples of Jesus. And so as we saw, talked about, like, we're going to look at love a lot today. So if you want to circle that word love in your Bible, you can do that. And, and this is, like, this is a, a reoccurring like, love. This love that John's talking about is, is a reoccurring theme. And, and you can just think about all the different places in the New Testament right, that talk about this, this love that we're talking about today. And maybe if you've got a couple of favorite ones, maybe you want to write those down in the margin. Like I, I, for me, I think of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Or I think of Matthew chapter 22, talks about the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so it's, this is not new information. Right? This is something you've heard from the beginning, John says. Let me remind you, we've been saying John is the chief reminding officer. He's going to say things over and over and over again. And so he, he, he wants to, he's like, look, this, this might be a little shocking, but, but let me show you just, just how clear that the distinction is between the way the world looks at love and the way that God looks at love. He makes it real, and he, he reminds them of something that they've heard before. It's for, look at verse 12. He says, do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. And so there's, John uses a, a bunch of words that are very similar together. It's like Cain, evil one, murdered, murderer, evil. Like you can underline all of those words because they're, they're together. He's, he's packing a punch here. He's trying to make a point. And, and, and then he says righteous. So you can circle that word Righteous. So you've, you kind of hear, you're like, hey, don't murder. And we're like, okay, I got that. Check. I, I'm not planning on murdering anybody today. Or, you know, even whenever I'm really angry, I'm like, I'm not thinking I'm murdering somebody. Right? We're like, we got it. But, it. but it goes so much deeper than that. See, John is, he's painting this vivid picture between evil and righteous. And he's like, let, let me make this as real as I possibly can. Let me remind you of a story, an old, old story that you've heard many, many times before. The story of Cain and Abel. If you want to write on the, the side in the margin of your Bible, Genesis chapter 4. And you can read that account for yourself about these two brothers. But, but if you would read it, you, you, you'd find out that there are these two brothers, Cain and Abel, sons of Adam and Eve, right? And they, they both bring their offerings before God. Abel, when he brought his offering to God, it was his best offering. And God said it was righteous. But Cain... And his bringing of his offering, it wasn't his best. And he actually calls him evil one. And, and, and we're like, whoa, whoa, wait. I mean, come on. Like, come on. He gave something. At least he should get some half credit or a participation trophy or something for, for at least bringing something. Right? And, and, and John's like, look, you, you have to understand this. Not through the lens of this world, but you've got to understand this through the lens of God. And so when, when God simply pointed out to, to, to Cain, that his, what he offered wasn't his best. Actually, Cain got defensive. Cain got angry, and Cain killed his brother Abel. He murdered him. 
And so when you read things like this, it, it brings us to a place where it brings me, and I hope it brings you to a place where you're like, okay, I've got a decision to make. Am I going to be more like Cain or Abel? Right? I mean, and then think about it. I mean, Cain wasn't always an evil person, right? He wasn't a bad guy, at least until he brought his offering, right? And killed his brother, right? He, he, brought his, he brought his offering to God. He loved God, but that's the problem. The, the love that he was bringing to, to God was, was more like the, the way that the world describes love, right? To, you know, like, and, and it's just, it's, it's, it's not a, a love that is sacrificial. It's self-centered, you know, and we throw that word love around today. Don't we be like, hey, I love the Steelers until they come to camp and I have to sit in traffic on Route 30, right? I love the Steelers until they have a four-game or five-game losing streak, and I'm like, I'm done with them, right? It goes from my team to their team, right? And so often, that's the way that we talk about love. And so Cain's version of loving God was what we struggle with today as well, I think. His faith was wishy-washy. Shades of gray. Well, this, I'm just going to give him this, right? Not my best. So John, he's in the first century, recounting a story that happened at the, at the, almost at, right after creation, right? To show us in, in 2022 the difference between self-centered love and self-sacrificing love. Think this is relevant for today? You know, I think it's, it's so tempting to, be a, to have, you know, kind of a, be a, a Cain type of a Christian, you know, we don't want to be like that, John's saying. We want to be like Abel, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so today's message is, it's, it's really, it is a love story, which, which makes what John writes next so jarring. It just kind of stops us short. Look what he says in verse 13. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. You can underline the word surprised and, and hates Right? So it's like, wait, if we're called to love God and to love others, and, and we're actually seeking the, to the best of our ability to live that out, I mean, come on, how could the world hate us? Like if we're really demonstrating love, shouldn't like, the world say thank you and love us? No, actually. If you want to write in the margin, John chapter 15, verse 18, that's the gospel of John. Here's what Jesus said. If the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. I think that's why John starts by saying, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised because we saw this happening with Jesus. Don't be surprised because we are experiencing this pretty much every day as disciples of Jesus. But it does cause us to be like, wait, what? why would the world hate Jesus? I mean, how could the world hate us? And, and, and if we're simply seeking to, to love one another... What's going on here? Well, Jesus continues in John 15, 19. He says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Jesus is saying, look, you, you have to realize there, there's a distinctive difference between the, the lifestyle of followers of Jesus and, and, and the rest of this world. God's understanding of love and the world's understanding of love are they're, they're two very different things. Self-centered versus self-sacrificing. Let's, let's go back to, to 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. He writes, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. 
Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal, resi- eternal life residing in him. So love's there twice, so you can circle it again. You can underline hates and, and murder. They're there twice as well. And so this is one of those places in John. He's like, look, I just need to be brutally honest with you. Right? We're, 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 I mean, even today, we're taught by our parents, right? We're, we're not supposed to hate people, right? We're, we're, but we don't ever equate hate and murder together like John's doing here. I mean, why is John doing that? I mean, who does this guy think he is? Actually, he's pointing back to Jesus again. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. You want to write that in the margin, you can. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. He's like, look, this is something you've been taught since you were a kid. Nobody argued with this one of the Ten Commandments, right? Everybody's on with this, right? Check. Got it. But then Jesus continues. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And so Jesus is connecting something that I, I don't think we like to connect. We, we don't want to say what Jesus is actually saying here. And John is saying it again. Hey, you, you've heard this from the beginning. You've heard about don't don't murder anybody. Right? You're going to get judged by God. Right? But now, Jesus says, let me, let me give you a new standard, a new way of living that nobody has ever heard of before. Jesus is saying, you know, if you get angry with a brother or sister in Christ, you're going to be seen through the same lens. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Like, can we get back to that shades of gray thing? Like, I, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to feel that judgment. I, you know, sometimes I get angry with my brother or my sister. I, I, sometimes I hate my brother or sister because of something they did to me or said about me or behind my back or, or whatever. And we're like, I don't want to be put in the same category as a murderer. But that's what Jesus is doing. And that's what John is doing. The way that we live our lives, they're saying, look, the, the standard has changed. It has dramatically changed. And so in the shades of gray world, Jesus invites us into a different lifestyle. I mean, do, do you get this? Do you get the implications of this? You know, from Jesus to his apostle John to, to, to us 2,000 years later, we're, we're, we're called to, to live a, a different path, not just to love, but to love as Jesus loved us. Let me say that again. We're not simply called to love, but to love as Jesus loved us. And so you're hearing all of this, and you're, maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, what, what about grace? Like, doesn't grace come into play here and kind of cover things over, make it a little bit more comfortable. And maybe you're thinking, you know, is, is Jesus saying that like our salvation is dependent on whether or not we love? No. He's saying our salvation is, is a result of, of, of a loving God who, 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 who sent his one and only son to, to die on a cross to cover over our sins, to, to, to forgive us of our sins. And when we, when we make Jesus our, our Lord and our Savior, it is out of that relationship with our Heavenly Father through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we love other people, right? And so what John is saying, look, he's like, come on. It, it, he's, he's inviting us. Come on, you, you have to wrestle to, this, to the ground. 
Like if, if you're continually going back to the same sin over and over and over again, what is that saying about your relationship with God? And it, it, it's begging the question, right? Do, do we really know Jesus? Does God's spirit truly reside in us? Are, are we truly walking in the path of discipleship? Because if we're continuing to go back again and again and again, you've you got to ask yourself, why? What's going on in your life? You know, because here's the thing. When, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we become a new creation. We are born again. The old is gone and the new has come. And that's good news for all of us. And so how do we know if the love of God is in us? How, how do we know that we, we've crossed over from the world's definition of love into God's definition of love? I'm glad you asked. Because here's what he says next, writes next. John 3, 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So once again, you can circle love and you can underline lay down. And so what I want you to, to think about when you see that word lay down, I want you to think of the word sacrifice. So for thousands and thousands of years, the Jewish people, in order to be made right with God, they would sacrifice an animal. They would bring their animal, right, and they would lay it down on God's altar for it to be sacrificed, for that blood to be shed for the forgiveness of their sins. So now Jesus, the once and for all sacrifice for all sins, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, right? He's saying he laid down his life for us. So this kind of love that John is describing here, this isn't emotion, this isn't a feeling. You know, it, love is a person. Love is Jesus. This is how we know what love is, colon, Jesus Christ. And that word love in the, in the original Greek is the word agape. You can write that in the margin if you want to. Right, this is self-sacrificing love that, that Jesus modeled on the cross. Right? And, and so it's just the world, they, they don't, the world doesn't know this kind of love. That someone who is despised would, would willingly go to the cross and die for the sins of the whole world. Those who believe in him and those who will never believe in him. And so now we, as followers of Jesus, we get to, to behold that, that love, that true love, that sacrificial love. And I think we just, because of this world we live in today, we just, we need a constant reminder. This is to be our, our lifestyle as followers of Jesus. Because, come on, you know this. The world is always going to water down love. They're, they're, they're going to make it self-centered and, and comfortable. And John and Jesus, and I'm saying to you today, this, this love that is, we're invited into is self-sacrificing. And he makes it really practical. Look at verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So once again, you can circle the word love. And, and so he's like, this is, I want to make it as clear as I can, as practical as I can. Here's what self-sacrificing looks like. And then what it doesn't look like. And so you can underline no pity, right? In other words, he's saying you got no compassion. Right? You see somebody who is in need. It's a brother or sister, somebody that you know. You walk right past them. You don't help out. You could care less. You have no compassion. You know, and, and this is one of those things where I, I love the Apostle John. He's like, there, there's no room for ambiguity here. Right? He asks the question, how can the love of God being you. 
if this is your attitude towards others. You know, I think somebody in here probably needs to hear this. You know, in a shade of gray world, that the church, at least in our country, has been lulled into an attitude of complacency. When it comes to injustice, we, we look away. When it comes to sin, we, we look the other way. We, we, we try to excuse it, right? We just want to be loving, whatever that means. When our, our neighbors need our, our self-sacrificing agape love, we're tempted to look the other way. You know, one of the, maybe the, the most well-known parables in all scriptures, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Most people even who are never, have never been in a church have heard the parable of the Good Samaritan. Right? And so Jesus talks, you know, he tells a story about a guy who's walking down the road, he's robbed, he's left for dead. A religious man walks by on the other side of the street. Another religious guy walks by, crosses the other street. But a Samaritan, who, who, who hated Jews, Jews hated them, he stopped. And he cared for him. He loved him. And this is one of those times where you just got to stop and ask yourself, am, am I like the good Samaritan? Or am I like one of those religious guys? Am I more like Cain or Abel? And John just, he lays it before us and he says, it's your choice. He couldn't make the choice for his church. I can't make the, church, the choice for you. You have to decide who you want to be like. Is it self-centered love or self-sacrificing love? Well, let me wrap up with this last verse. John writes, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And so you can circle love again, and you can underline words and speech and actions and truth. And so what he's saying is like, look, guys, come on. It's, it's, it's easy to say I love you. It's easy to say, you know, nice things. Right, but... He's saying, look, let's not fall prey to that. Let's, let's not just love with our words. Let's not just love with our, our speech, but let's actually, let's love with our actions that's rooted in God's truth. You know, some of the, the strongest marriages that I see are the ones where the husband and the wife serve one another in, in a self-sacrificing way. I see that in Josiah's mom and dad. I see that in marriages in our church. You know, some of the, the most healthy disciples of Jesus in our church are the people that I see just, just self-sacrificing for, for other people and making a difference in, in other people's lives. You know, Jesus, he, he gave us this example by, by dying on the cross. And now we, as the, as the church, we, we get to go and live that out just in, with our actions in truth, with agape love, with self-sacrificing love. You know, you hear me say it all the time, we want to be humble servants, Right? We want to be people who leverage our call and spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ. We aim for, for total participation. And there, there, if you're a disciple of Jesus, there, there, there's no place, there's nothing in the Bible that says, okay, you got saved, now you can sit on the bench and watch everybody else do everything. You know, right before I, I, our family went to, to the beach, a couple, just a couple of days before, I had the, the awesome privilege of, of doing the funeral for, for Ray Johnson. I introduced Ray maybe a couple months ago when we made the decision that we were going to start investing in these teenager boys over at the Vincent house. That Ray, you know, he's a retired guy. It had been easy for him to be like, hey, you know what? I'm retired. I'm done. The next generation can do this. I can just hit cruise control. He's like, no. I want to love these boys. I want to care for these boys. I want to invest my life in these boys. To the point where one day Ray was approached by his son, and his son needed a, a kidney. 
and he gave him one of his kidneys. And it ended up being the thing that led to his death. Like that's self-sacrificing love. You know, we have got a, a group of students and, and adults who've left this morning to go to ASP. We just got a, a group of people who just got back from Panama that went down to, to share the gospel with people in, in a remote village. They, they got there through this dugout canoe in order to, to be able to go and love and care for these people. You know, from time to time, I stand up here and I say, you know, we could use some help down in our kids' ministry. There are people who are like, oh, I'd have to get here an hour earlier. Nah, I don't think so. I ask you to, maybe you could serve in student ministry. Well, then I have to come back on Sunday night. You know, uh, teenagers smell. No. Mm -mm. <laughs> you know, we say, hey, there's, we could use some people in our first impressions team. Oh, I'd have to be happy. No. You know, we, we look for all these reasons why we, we, we're not going to serve, we're not going to make a difference. And, you know, I look at, at Ray, and I'm like, I want to be like Ray. I want to give my life to something that's bigger than me. I think that's what Jesus is talking about. I think that's what John is talking about here. You know, without God in your life, I mean, do you, do you really know what love is? Do you really? You know, we, I think love has been defined for us growing up, you know, but, but is it rooted in the gospel? Is it rooted in what, what Jesus says? Is it rooted in, the, in a way that actually might cause the world to hate you? Because it's a different kind of love. It's a self-sacrificing love. See, love, it's not a concept. It's not, it's not a feeling. Love is Jesus. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not self-seeking. Love is not proud or rude. Love is not easily angered. Love doesn't keep record of wrongs. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Let's pray. Almighty God, I think most of us are, are more comfortable living in a shades of gray culture. And your, your word comes and, and it pierces our hearts and our minds and it it lays before us a decision that every one of us needs to make. And it's not a, a one-time decision. It's a decision every day to wake up and to die to ourselves and, and to live for your glory. And I know, God, that's, it's going to take us out of our comfort zone and it's, it's, it may cause us to lose some friends but I pray that we don't lose friends or family members because we're, we're being self-righteous or judgmental, but because we have agape love in our hearts and in our lives and our actions. And so, Father, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on every one of us, online and in this room, God, in, in such a way that it, we are emboldened by your Holy Spirit to go and live the way that Jesus has invited us to live, self-sacrificially. And when those times come, and I know, God, they come for all of us, when we want to be self-centered, we want to be comfortable, God, that we will say no to this world's form of love, and we'll say yes to the kind of love that Jesus displayed on the cross. Would you move in us and inspire us 
to be your true disciples as, as John describes them so clearly, such in black and white terms, God. That these, those words that are described, that describe love in 1 Corinthians 13 would be true of each one of us. As husband and wife, as parents, as kids, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we live for your glory, honor, and praise. God, we love you and we praise you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.